This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramya. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. It's a Thursday, and welcome to the afternoon show here on AMI. It's called Kelly and Ramya. I'm Ramya Amadin. I'm Kelly McDonald. And we're happy to join you for the next two hours to get into all the things we want to get into with you. And Kels, I got to say, you know, a couple knows, oh, my eyebrows are a bit itchy. Oh, no, my finger's itchy. It's pretty bad. Now that you do television and yeah. you take that sip of water before you begin so you're not, <laughs> hey, hi, Remy, or anything like that yeah. when you come on the air. The problem is then you remember, oh, I, I got to make sure there's no droplets of water hanging True. on my lip or something like that. Yeah. And again, you're braver than I am. You, when we were doing the talk show, and I don't know if you've moved this into the, the TV realm, uh, would eat snacks. I have not brace. eaten a snack since we moved to TV, not even yeah. during the test shows. Stuff That's can sad. drop on clothes. Uh, you get it on your face. I remember shooting a promo once for uh, uh, our show I guess about two years, no, more than that, three or four years ago, and everything went well, and uh, they were looking at the footage afterward and said, gee, did you not notice the crumbs at the corner of Kelly's mouth? I oh, know. Oh. They realized in post-production, right? That's brutal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. and magic of post-production, they were able to move, get rid of them. Well, at least they told me that. <laughs> That's right. We'd never know. <laughs> no, no. Yep, it's the magic of and reality of TV. Let's find out what's coming up on today's edition of Kelly and Romia. We're talking NHL because trade line uh, te- trade deadline is only 24 hours away. The Nation Network's Nick Alberga is going to walk us through some of the predictions and things he has to say about it. Speaking of predictions, something quite predictable on our Thursday show, we have our food segment with Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. She's going to be talking to us about some social media food trends that are out there that are floating around the culinary world. Prediction is good for the roundtable as well. That happens on Thursdays, and today's guest is In the Know contributor Margaret Weldon. Joining us for conversations that Kelly has picked out the topics for. Looking mm-hmm. forward to that, Kels. No hints yeah, yet, I see. No, oh, never, never. Not. never. No, no, no. Such lies. Never do that. All right. Well, listen, <laughs> let's talk about something that uh, we've already had some pretty scary commentary on before the show started, but we'll let everybody else in on it. Uh, These silicone kissable lips, okay? These were invented for long-distance relationships by a Chinese inventor. And basically, you attach this third-party product to your smartphone, and you can have the sensation of kissing somebody slash being kissed. And it's got these temperature sensors, uh, pressure sensors, and it even gives you the sound of the kiss to send long distance to your partner. Now, the guy who invented this actually invented it because he was missing his girlfriend. They were in a long distance relationship, just like on our entrepreneurship segments with Kevin Shaw, you know, the the, the need to fill a uh, void problem, right? A void. Yeah, that works for this relationship. In as this well. case, I think void works. Yeah, it definitely does. And uh, unfortunately, since the invention, the couple is no longer together. And also, in other sad news, the patent has expired for this 
product. So he's really hoping that to save and help all kinds of long-distance relationships out there, that somebody will pick up this product and move forward with it. What do you think, Kels? Would you well, try it? Well, I wonder if the breakup came because, because I wanted to look for pattern invention? after someone else. Like, you know, maybe the girlfriend said, what do you, what do you mean they're not patterned after my lips? Um, I wonder if they're also temperature of the human body, 37 degrees Celsius, but I don't know if they're colder when, you know, being on the outside of our body, if they're lower than the 37 degrees Celsius. I wonder if all these things were taken into account. Like and a cold of course, winter day, you get to kiss well, cold lips. That's it. <laughs> yeah, like if you're outside, does it? it's obviously going to adapt to a point to the phone. The vibration, I guess, right. is, you know, they can make a phone do the vibration. So I guess maybe that triggers something. Because now you start figuring out how do these darn things work and how weird is that? Kissing your phone in public mm. or anything like this. I, mean, I don't think you would do this in public. It doesn't even look... Well, Good. if you're on the phone with them, you might. If you're doing like a FaceTime and you yeah, okay, but, uh, talk to you later. Wah, like, but it's not well, really okay. subtle, is it? You know? No, in any phone. capacity. No. 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 Dirty, really too. It could be. We're not demonstrating anything, Irene. Um, <laughs> but I did want to say that silicone sounds like a reasonable material to use. You know, it's, it's kind of uh, malleable. What about dirty? What dirty. about dirty? It's just your lips. If your lips are dirty, then you're going to get the thing dirty. But your fingers touch your phone. Your phone lays oh, on you're tables thinking and like does everything else. Sanitary. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, no, I... I mean, to me, it's odd enough that, like, I'm, I, no, no, I'm, I, you know, that's like saying, oh, well, you know, kiss the table or something like that. It's been designed to, to, to do something or, or, you right. know, what I mean? to, to me, it's I mean, like, maybe it comes with any, a special I'm, case, you know, and then you pop the case open like your uh, AirPods and you kiss it and then you close the case back up. <laughs> that thing so, gets touched. You know, that Christmas song, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Uh -huh. And, you know, in the beginning of it, when you hear it on the radio, it has that long, like you hear the yes. footsteps and that weird kiss. Yep. I wonder if that's the sound that, that this thing uses, because it said there, but coming with the sound as well. I was thinking that, of the it, sound also. That? MSN yeah. Messenger used to have this big, what do you even call those now? Like now I'm thinking of stickers and... Uh, Emojis and yes. things like that, visually. But it was basically the sticker of MSN, and there was this big red lip kiss thing that you could send people and it would make the smoochiest kiss noise and that's what i imagine this would do so gross yeah, yeah. It, well Ugh. yeah that's i mean again you know it's hard when you're hosting a show like this you don't want to sit there and come down on everything especially yeah, if you well. haven't you know you, you haven't but there are certain things i just like what i mean there's yeah, a reason no, why the patent no. expired i'm just saying nobody yeah, wanted yeah. to pick it up man it he wasn't sucks. getting enough he had you know, not enough traction he had to yeah. kiss off the project we really we really hope that long distance relationships can get easier but i don't know if it's with an invention like this mm. all right um enough of our opinions we're gonna come back to talk about graphic audio their adaptation of the bookman history's trilogy of fantasy adventures that's with michael fair on kelly and Remia. don't miss a minute kelly and Remia will be right back Welcome back to Kelly and Ramia on AMI. We've gotten all the giggles out. I think we've closed the chapter on these silicone lips for long distance Promised relationships. Yeah. Three quarters of the audience. Yeah, we um, demonstrated, or not demonstrated, but we gave each other examples of what that sound was like. We're not going to do it on air, though. 
No way. You can try like, it at I home. still say that sounds like that 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 creepy Santa sound when he's coming in for mommy kissing Santa Claus, which we've determined is more like you know that 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 good night, dear Santa will be here in the morning. Kiss yeah. that an aunt aunt would give or something mm -hmm. like that. Like it's just a little family yeah. members come to visit and they always want to give you a big wet kiss on the cheek. Nope. You ran from those, Thank right? You. Yeah, absolutely. I wasn't even right. there to greet them. I'd be hiding <laughs> in any room possible. <laughs> We're going to switch gears and talk audio entertainment now here on the show with Michael Fair. Audio entertainment and accessible technology are increasingly important in our lives. I'm Mike Fair, here to help you make the most out of your devices. We'll share tech tips and product reviews. Plus, I'll steer you towards the best accessible games, audio dramas, and podcasts. We'll talk about it all here on Kelly and Ramya. We covered all kinds of tech in the last couple of weeks with you, Mike, specifically focus mode and notifications on iOS, but now we're moving to audio entertainment. So Graphic Audio, um, we'd like to feature them all the time here on the show. They've adapted the Bookman Histories trilogy of fantasy adventures, and you want to share your thoughts on the first title, and it's called The Bookman. So how does Graphic Audio approach um, adapting books into audio dramas for anyone who hasn't heard of them before basically what they do is they adapt the whole book so if you've ever wondered what a fantasy book would be like if someone just took it and made a, a high budget audio drama of the whole unabridged thing uh, all every word in that book uh, is going to be included in this in, in what they do and this and so some of them are, are incredibly long and uh, what they do is they they, they take actors and sound and movie elements, music, and they put that all in. And uh, all the words that aren't acted or whatever are narrated. So you, you don't miss anything. And it's all sonified with music and drama, all of that stuff included. And they've been doing it for years, right, Mike? Like this is... Oh, gosh, They, yes. they were the originals. <laughs> yeah, especially well with this style, especially, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what attracted you to this drama? Well, uh, for one thing, this is one of the shorter, relatively speaking, shorter series uh, of of these kinds of, of adaptation. Each book is about eight hours long, so you get a, a 24 hours uh, for the whole set. So for one thing, it's affordable to get the whole thing and be able to finish it. You know, some of these series that you are hundreds of dollars and just hours upon hours, and it's like, who has time to, to or money to do that, right? A lot of it. Uh, so, and the other thing is just the core idea of this is a Victorian era London that's been altered, uh, and book characters that are uh, featured in books or from classic literature are alive at the same time with the with the people who would normally just encounter them in books uh, are encountering them on the streets. So there's there's artificial intelligence, there's all sorts of of things that uh, play into this. It's it's an amazing bit of. Uh, of storytelling. Let's get into it then. Who's the lead character, Orphan? Orphan is, it seems like a nice, good-hearted guy. Uh, he's pretty young. Uh, he's madly in love with uh, his girlfriend, Lucy, and works in a bookshop in London. Books are very important in, in this alternate London. And 
uh, he basically, uh, we meet him as he encounters uh, one of the characters, Gilgamesh, uh, his, his old friend. Uh, and uh, he basically uh, uh, seems to know a lot about and be involved in, in kind of a kind of terrorism against authors and creators. You, you sort of go and interrupt their work and, and uh, do things like that. He seems to be uh, in, in the, the less extreme end of, of the spectrum, but there are uh, other forces at work that he, he seems to know something about, and Gilgamesh seems to know even more. Hmm, interesting. Okay, so then what's so special about his lover, Lucy? Well, Lucy Westenraw is, uh, and you might recognize that name from Count Dracula, because that was uh, one of the uh, first victims of, uh, of Dracula in that mm -hmm. book. Uh, right. And uh, you'll find things like that all through this. These characters will pop up with different things. She is an, an artist, uh, records of whale songs, and she's been selected uh, her to put in this capsule that's going to be fired off into space uh, towards Mars. Uh, going to put in this, this record of her way, the recording she's made of whale songs, plus a book that is being sent into space uh, as well to, to sort of represent Earth. And so she is uh, uh, about to have this honor, and uh, that, and, and she's also at the point of of uh, accepting marriage uh, to uh, you know orphans. So very exciting times for her, and uh, she's uh, we we see her. What befalls her as well as as uh, the story gets underway. That's right. Mm. So much decision making. So besides mm -hmm. characters from the books walking the streets and things like that, are there other differences in this alternate universe? Well, yes. Uh, you see, lizards have kind of begun ruling the world and, uh -oh. and seemingly have have done for a long time. <laughs> and, I like uh, how you work this in, Michael. At first, I was yeah, going to say to you, "Gee, Mike, you're trying really hard not to spoil anything with these last couple exactly. of questions we've asked." It's like kind of, you know, I'm yeah. saying, "Wow, by the way, lizards have start wool." Yeah, there there are kind of differences like that, uh, and uh, as a result, that has some interesting results. Like, there's more p uh, peace between nations because the the aliens are in charge. These lizards are kind of in charge. And no one quite knows when this started. Uh, it's a bit of a mystery. Um, and then you you have these book characters walking around, and you have artificial intelligence. Is big uh, Babbage uh, based on uh, Babbage? Charles Babbage was a historical figure who had theories on on computation and computing machines. And uh, th there are devices based on his work and Tesla's and Edison's. Uh, all to do with with uh, sort of simulacrum of of living people, so though that is really advanced and part of everyday life. So it's it's a very interesting uh, world where some aspects of tech have been uh, propelled forward, uh, and and others uh, haven't. And it's it's right. a really a different place. It seems to be a lot of good irony in this. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, yeah it, it's, it's, it's almost sometimes like familiarity, right, Mike, for us, the audience? Like you'd almost swear they're held back just so we can still grasp onto it? It's Yeah, and, and the, the book is, the, this thing is loaded with references to books inside little things for people who know about classic literature, British history, that kind of thing. Uh, it, it's They'll find lots to, to really uh, treasure in this, uh, in this uh, kind of very bookish story. <laughs> Would you classify it as serious fantasy? Uh, you know, it's. It, I would say yes in some ways. There's a lot of comedy and and kind of fourth wall uh, breakage a bit, but it really does explore a lot of 
issues um, in, in terms of, of things like nationhood, what constitutes a nation, what constitutes uh, loyalty among friends, um, ethics along those lines, uh, what, what rights are owed machines, uh, things, uh, and what is it to be human? A lot of those questions are up for some pretty serious questioning in this. Uh, you know, and as as we travel through this this land of of stereotypical tropes and other other things, and it, it really it makes us stop and think about a lot of different things. Yeah, it's quite fun uh, when people take you know fantasy as the approach to ask some of these conscientious questions and uh, make us think about some of the realities that we face, um, but do it in a way, you know, by spinning these stories and creating alternate universes, but definitely some human and real questions to answer. Mm, and outcomes. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah, How there's, there's was... Lots. Uh-huh, go ahead. There's, there's lots of thought-provoking stuff that you know that that really echoes in today. You know, the, now that we're facing the dawning of of some forms of artificial intelligence, yes, and, mm-hmm. and all the rest of it. There's there's a lot to think about uh, questions that that really resonate today. And I have a feeling we're going to have very similar things to ponder for our book of the month, which you chose, Mike. So just saying, it's going to be yes. Good. Uh, if yeah. you're into this convo, you'll be into that one. How is the voice acting, Mike? Voice acting is is quite good. Uh, you know, Rob Rob uh, Mora, uh, probably uh, Morira, probably probably butchered that. Is uh, orphan. Uh, he handled that role really well. Uh, he really felt you know, his journey, his growth through the story. Um, Steve uh, Oneall was the narrator, and he also wrote the adaptation of this work uh, to audio. Uh, so he he had a lot on his plate. And he did the narration. And I, you know, both Sarah and I really didn't like it. It, it didn't grab us as much as other narration uh, narrators might have. It, it just, it didn't quite work. He was a very competent reader, but it was, it was kind of, it, it lost some immersion. Uh, they, they almost overused that. Uh, I think they could have shown more with the acting and the sound. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's one case where uh, graphic audio kind of suffers a bit. Uh, Terence Hazelford did uh, uh, played uh, Gilgamesh, and that really that really lent it. He gave it such gravitas. You don't see a ton of Gilgamesh. He appears a couple of times throughout the story, and he, he give it that sense of, of almost an Obi Wan Kenobi kind of character, if you can imagine that voice, uh, Alec Guinness. It's it's something like that. It gives it that kind of gravitas. So they did great. All the other actors did quite well. Uh, you know, nothing really you know, stand out, you know, talk, blow you away kind of stuff, but it's all very competently done. Yeah, there's a, I, I've always found the, like, there's a bit of a campiness sound to some of the, the, the acting. It's almost like they get caught between that serious, that, that, that being yeah. entertaining, but also <laughs> putting more energy into things sometimes than what you would think. And Mike, I, I believe uh, graphic audio did the Louis L'Amour stuff years ago. And one of the things I remember the most is the sound and music. I loved, fell in love with the sound effects. How was that in this? Ah, uh, yes. Sound and music. Yeah, sound and music and, and, and graphic audio is up to its usual standards here. Uh, you get a really good soundscaping, uh, very immersive stereo quality. You can hear the characters moving around and, you know, the voice matches the rest, right? They, they do the, all of that kind of little details. They they typically handle really, really well. 
and uh, you know, never overwhelms the narration. You, you never miss a word because of a big bang or something. It's that they they are experts at thinking that kind of stuff through and really making a, a good performance. The, the music, nothing stands out, but again, it, it no. does the job. You know, it's in the background, it sets the mood. Uh, there's music all through, basically. So, uh, you know, it does kind of carry some of the, the work of setting the mood and, uh, you know, pretty well done. Mm -hmm. uh, how about audiences? Is this suitable for younger audiences? Uh, I would say it's it's rated for adults uh, 17 and up, according to their site, and I would I would tend to agree with that. Uh, you know, teens could could handle it, I think, but they they might miss some of the references. They might not have uh, read enough uh, British uh, Victorian era fiction to <laughs> sort of grasp the whole. But but they would get you know the story is is easily followed, and there's nothing gratuitously you know gory, over the top, graphic, or right. anything like that. Very quickly, worth the price. I would say yes. If you're into books and uh, literature and reading, you'd get a lot out of this. It's it's a fun series, and it's, like I say, it's short. You can actually get the whole thing without breaking the bank, uh, unlike other series they have that just go on forever. So, <laughs> yeah, if you want to check out Graphic Audio style, it's a good starter. You know, it gives you a sense of what they do. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, you've done all kinds of reviews on graphic audio in the past as well, and there's more to come. Mike, thank you. Absolutely. Yep, lots more where that came from. Yeah, Have I a good, good uh, rest of the show. Thank you. <laughs> you can find The Bookman, plus the other two titles in the series, because it is a trilogy, on the graphic audio site. And Michael Fair joins us next Thursday. We'll find out what he has up his sleeve uh, in terms of audio entertainment or tech. Taking a break, and after that, we're talking NHL trade deadline. For some reason, I want to mash those two words together. Anyways, it's 24 hours away, and we're talking to Nick Alberga from the Nations Network about it. We'll be right back. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. Welcome back. This is Kelly and Ramya on AMI. Thanks for joining us via AMI-TV, AMI-audio. Appreciate you listening live. And also, if you miss any part of the show, you can check it out again at 10 p.m. Eastern time on AMI-TV and AMI-audio. Of course, we know that AMI-audio has a eight-hour rotation. And on AMI-TV, we go again one more time at 1 a.m. I'm Ramya Amathan here with Kelly McDonald. And it's that time, ladies and Oh, sorry, I'm a, I'm a bit of a fibber. It's uh, twenty, almost 24 hours before it is that time, if you're listening to the live edition of our program. The NHL tread deadline. You've got me doing I it now, Ramya. I knew it. I knew it. Wow. Uh, almost 24 hours away, ladies and gentlemen. Joining us to break it all down is the Nation Network's Nick Alberga, returning to the program with us. Nick, welcome back to Kelly and Ramya. Thanks for having me. 24 hours and 33 minutes to be precise. Ooh. That's the deadline time here, guys. Okay. I'm, I'm listening to see if I can hear that NHL clock in there behind you ticking away as the minutes come down. The... Yeah, it's um, going to be a lot of fun, though. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, you know, just to see what happens over the next 24 hours. I'm sure you guys know by now the Toronto Maple Leafs have made an abundance of moves, and uh, a lot's been happening in the NHL world. It's a very exciting time for sure. 
Well, Nick, I, I kind of curious how your pulse is because so many times <laughs> we look for it to be on the day. I mean, the networks sit there and hold court for the whole day talking about the possibilities or reviewing and explaining the the, the trades to us. But you guys have had so much action uh, built up beforehand. And I'm kind of curious, was that really a surprise, so much action like days before the deadline? It really is. And like, that's a good question yeah. because obviously this is like our first true post pandemic season. Last year we had a bit of it and then it really took off in the second half for sure. But this is the first true season back. And I think along those lines, we're starting to see teams spend the way they did before the pandemic, not being as, you know, cautious about the salary cap and stuff like that. And I think on top of that, a lot of teams think they have a legitimate shot at winning the Stanley cup this year. But in, in normal times, like even before the pandemic, we saw a lot of lead up, towards the deadline in the first, you know, the last couple of days before the deadline, uh, it would be kind of quiet. I think the one thing I would throw out there too, is that the deadlines on a Friday this year, it's normally on a Monday. Uh, so maybe that's sort of, you know, thrown a wrench into the conversations as well, but it is a free flowing market. So one domino falls, the next falls. And then, you know, you don't want to miss out on players. I think that's essentially what's happened here. So you mentioned the Maple Leafs. Uh, they've been pretty busy this week. Any thoughts on your end about their moves? Yeah, it's pretty crazy in general. They have six new players on their roster since February 17th. That's like a span of like two weeks. It'll be, in fact, two weeks tomorrow. Um, it, it really, really is incredible. Kyle Dub is pretty much signifying that he's all in. They think they have a shot to be Tampa in the first round. They think they have a chance to win the Stanley Cup this season. Uh, quite frankly, I really, really like the moves. You know, it starts with Ryan O'Reilly, the 2019 Consmith winner with the St. Louis Blues, their former captain for a couple seasons after Alex Petrangelo left to Vegas. And now he's on this roster. It adds so much more versatility and depth. Uh, in that very same deal, they pick up Nola Chari, who's sort of a sandpaper, you know, bottom six type guy. Uh, they added some depth in the blue line with Jake McCabe. Uh, you know, Eric Gustafson coming over by way of the Washington Capitals. And then Luke Shen coming back in the mix. Uh, you know, I just think in general, they've they've addressed sort of needs. They've looked at the depth or lack thereof and said, hey, those are areas of concern for us moving forward. And I think they've sort of positioned themselves knowing they're going to play Tampa and how they want to play against the Lightning. So all in all, I give it an A-plus for the effort, at least. Mm, without emptying the closet of too many, uh, you know, any prospect kind of things that they've looked at or, you know, for the draft or any... Really, when you look at money, they've still got money to do something in the meanwhile, because when we look at the East and other moves being done, they're going to need some of that. They're going to need some leverage. They're going to need some place to move. They're in a good place, aren't they, Nick, with the East being so stacked? Do you think they're done dealing? Um, you know, that's the big time question here. Obviously, we're around 24 hours away. Um, you know, they've made some significant moves already. I think there's a lot of people speculating, hey, could they use an upgrade in between the pipes and net? Right. The uncertainty yep. surrounding Matt Murray. They got the youngster, Joseph Wall, who's 24 behind Ilya Samsonov, who's been, you know, their number one guy for the last couple months. But still, like, that's a, a level of concern for sure. I do think they'll do one more thing because right now, as their roster situates, they have 12 forwards and nine defensemen. Uh, that's not very ideal. I think in a perfect mm -hmm. world, maybe one seventy and like 13 forwards. So I think I wonder if they get to that level, but ultimately it's going to be up to the price tags. I mean, to your point, they have given up significant capital here in the last couple of days, most specifically draft picks, but who cares? You're in the in and now you're trying to win. And I think most importantly, they've held on to their top prospects, namely Matthew Nyes, who could be another guy who plays a big time factor down the stretch. He's currently playing in the NCAA for the university of Minnesota 
once this season concludes, there is the high possibility, I would say, that he signs with the Maple Leafs and finishes the season with the Maple Leafs. So he could be another factor and a guy to look at on the roster moving forward into the Stanley Cup playoffs here. Nick, any thoughts on what the Edmonton Oilers have done in terms of trades and moves? Yeah, so the big move yesterday or two days back, we saw him last night against the Maple Leafs, Matthias Ekholm coming over from the Nashville Predators. I just think he adds what that team has been lacking for so many years, especially when you have Connor McDavid, the best player on the planet. You see Ryan Nugent Hopkins on your screen right there. He had a great fight last night with Justin Hall. He's having a great season in general. But they need a D, and certainly I think they still need it. But Matthias Ekholm, just the pedigree he brings in, what he did for many years with the Nashville Predators, his reliability, his puck retrieval, puck retrieval, I should say. He just brings so many intangibles to the table, and on top of that, he's got a phenomenal beard. So you can't go wrong with that. <laughs> uh, I, I still think uh, you know Edmonton's going to look to add at least one more forward, but I think they have to feel really, really good with getting Ekholm in the mix there. So with that being said, and some of the big names that are still out there, any inside scoops or predictions that you've got, thoughts where some people will land in the next 24 hours? In normal times, I would be all over the rumor mill, but it's been sort of one of those seasons where things are coming out of nowhere. Like even Jacob Chikrin yesterday going to the Ottawa Senators, we've been speculating on that guy for like 18 months. And for a long time, we thought Ottawa was out of it. Uh, the price tag dropped. They end up with Chikrin, who's an absolute stallion. He's going to help that back end for sure. I'll be quite honest. I mean, the big the, the big names have moved. Like Timo Meyer goes to New Jersey. Ryan O'Reilly's now with the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, you know, earlier today, the Boston Bruins pick up Tyler Bertuzzi. I think that's a phenomenal pickup. You know, mm -hmm. Tampa gets Tanner Janot. I think you're you're looking at more depth pieces. If you do recall James Van Riemsdyk, former member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, now with Philadelphia. I think the Flyers are, are, are certainly a seller. He could be on the move. Maybe a Kevin Hayes um, if they want to get bigger and Ivan Provov on the back end. So ultimately, I do think many of the contenders have made significant and lucrative moves. But I think the one thing we're seeing this year that's unusual is that teams that are not really in the mix, that are middling teams or you know, you know, non-playoff teams are still looking to get active and, and, and be creative. Like that's the biggest thing mm -hmm. I've taken away from the last couple of weeks, how creative GMs have been for the first time in a long, long time. Like in the NHL world, we always look at the NBA and major league baseball to an extent and say, Hey, why can't the NHL be that way with activity? Well, we're finally seeing it. So I'm very happy. What do you think Calgary will do since you're you're speaking of teams not necessarily in the playoffs currently and a lot of people saying, what will they do? They seem to be floating around wanting to do something. Yeah, they're a massive disappointment, right? Because I believe we talked to kick off the season and I threw out you the name, the Calgary Flames, to watch out for that Stanley Cup. And uh, look what I know, apparently. But yeah, it, <laughs> it happens. And and that's why they play the game, guys. Um, it's just been a really, really disappointing season for Calgary. Defensively speaking, goaltending-wise, they can't keep the puck out of the net. And and Jonathan Huberto, who they brought over and signed to a lucrative contract, just has not been good enough for that team, especially considering where he was at last year with the Florida Panthers. So I think from a Calgary perspective, number one, they have a big game tonight against the Toronto Maple Leafs. They lose that game. If they don't gain a point, I think they're in trouble. Hell, I already think they're in trouble. Uh, so they're a curious team to watch between now and three Eastern time tomorrow because they can do a variety of different things. They can be a buyer and a seller. I think the one thing to look at from the Calgary perspective is maybe some of the guys with one year remaining on their contract, Elias Lindholm, Tyler Toffoli, and others. Uh, I do think Calgary can make some noise, but am I shocked that they've stayed out of the uh, 
stayed out of the sort of, you know, situation in the party the last little while? Probably not, because I think they have to be very, very disappointed by what's transpired so far. Overall, at this moment, any early winners or losers of the deadline? I would say the New York Rangers are among them. Uh, they've landed probably the two biggest fish here um, in, in the last couple of months. They got Vladimir Tarasenko from the St. Louis Blues. And and luckily for them, Patrick Kane, who's a future Hall of Famer, won multi-Stanley Cups. I mean, the guy's incredible. He only wanted to go to one team. So talk about leverage in a trade when the Rangers know they're the only team that he wants to go to. And that sort of handcuffed the team that dealt him in Chicago. So Patrick Kane will make his debut tonight on Broadway against the Ottawa Senators. Uh, for me, I think, how could it not be the New York Rangers on paper? Having said that, like, it's so tough to anoint a winner and a loser this early. The deadline hasn't even passed. And on top of that, you won't know till down the road, even last year. Um, I, I just recall every deadline, people are so quick to anoint a winner, and it's never that team that wins the Stanley Cup. I know last year I said Colorado, I liked what they did, and they go on to win the Cup. But they're a, they're a bit of a different animal. So... Uh, you can ask me again in September when we do our yearly hit previewing the season. I'll have a better understanding for you then, okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious because you mentioned earlier with the trade de trade deadline being on Friday this year instead of Monday or yeah. a different you know time and the buzz that we've gotten. What does that do for you guys with what you do tomorrow? If things are silent, um, how does that work? Because, I mean, what what would you like to see the NHL do to make this buzz uh, are you satisfied with what we've seen this week because, or would you, is there something you'd like to see that baseball or the NBA does? Well, I think personally, like the one thing I want is, is activity. And we've seen so much of it. I really can't bitch and complain here. I mean, I understand no. I got to work tomorrow. We had a team meeting yesterday and we're doing a four hour special on dailyfaceoff.com and we'll have a live cam on one of the best insiders in the game and Frank Saravalli, but I don't know what he's going to break because everything's broken already, but Never say never. I mean, there's always activity, especially when there's a deadline and teams think they have a legitimate shot at winning a Stanley Cup. Or, again, creativity has been a big buzzword this time around. So teams are being creative with each other. And and maybe you start to think, you know, optically that way. But I, I wouldn't change much. Um, I, I do know the deadlines on a Friday this year, just more so how the schedule laid out for this season. It, it was just something around when the season ended and had to be, you know, X amount of days before that. So that's why it's on a Friday as opposed to normally being on a Monday. From what I understand, it's going to go back to Monday next year. But I would say this is the most memorable deadline for me in maybe 15 years. It's been absolutely crazy. And names coming out of nowhere. And you don't even know half these guys are available and they're being traded. So honestly, I do complain every year about the lack of activity. Not this time around. Am I disappointed? We're not going to have much to talk about tomorrow. Maybe a bit, but we could always revisit what's happened, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I'll still be doing my job and having fun talking hockey, so you can't go wrong, right? Yeah, you'll have some nice packages to share to the audience. Look at this. The guys will have plenty of time to put those features together. And I'll tell you, I have not enjoyed an NHL trade deadline uh, more than this year. I, I'm not a, a hang in there and follow along all the time, but I will tell you, having it hold out the way it has. I've been enjoying listening to the discussions, the stories, and thinking, geez, boy, th there's some real stuff going on here. So I, I have found it even more exciting. So I, I'm anxious to see how others do. Uh, Nick, where, where can we find your content? Yep. So I host a daily show now. I think since we last spoke, I actually got a new job. Uh, I host a daily show called Leafs Morning Take. You can find that on YouTube on the Nation Network YouTube page. It's called Leafs Morning Take. So 
I'm live every day, 11 to 11 a.m. or 11 a.m. Excuse me, to 11:30 a.m. Eastern time, alongside former Maple Leaf Jay Rosehill. We cover the ins and outs of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, on top of that, I'm writing for the LeafsNation.com. That's been a lot of fun. And I'm also co-hosting the uh, NHL Fantasy on Ice podcast alongside Pete Jensen. So as per usual, I'm very busy. And uh, this new project has been a lot of fun. You can follow along and subscribe on YouTube as well, at the Leafs Nation 401, at the Leafs Nation 401. But yeah, I'm having a lot of fun. It's always so great to cover the sport and and also moving past the pandemic, right? And growing the brand yes. and the creativity and, and all that. So yeah. it's been great. Kyle, thank you very much, as usual, for making time for us. The Nation Network's Nick Alberga joining us to break down the NHL trade deadline. Cool that there's always a lot to talk about with hockey, and Nick is the guy to give it to you. After the break, we have the Thursday Buzz. This is with uh, audio technical producer Bill Shackleton, and he's got some stories for us to flip through. We'll be back with that on Kelly and Rumia. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Remember that there's a lot going on with AMI-tv over March. We have new shows coming out. We have returning shows with new seasons coming out. And on March 17th, if you're in the Calgary area, you can check out By Hook or By Cook. And they're having two episodes live taped. You can be part of that studio audience. And if you want to learn more information or save your spot, go to or email info at AMI.ca. Dave Brown's going to be there. He's going to be helping host those episodes, and you get all kinds of opportunities, a prize pack, a red carpet walk, pictures taken, meet the crew, and Bruce Cook himself. There's a lot going on that day, March 17th. Put it in your calendars, info at ami.ca to save your seats. I'm Ramia Amadin here with Kelly McDonald. Ooh, I had a throwback. I was going to call you Danielle. Whoops. Uh, and we're, <laughs> we're, we're bringing on producer Bill Shackleton for the Thursday Buzz with Bill. And, of course, Bill joins us Wednesdays, Thursdays, Fridays, right at the end of our first hour to flip through some stories. We have no clue where the stories are going to end up and where our commentary is going to end up. So we just uh, leave it in Bill's capable hands. Hey, Billy. Hello. Hello. What do you have for us? Um. <clears throat> I'm going to do a sports article, but uh, the reason no why, yeah, no way. I, I, know, I know you're God, sort it's of. It's not uh, even football. Yeah, it's not, but it is radio related. And okay. I thought it was kind of interesting. Swing and a miss. Analysts and experts pan decision to keep Jay's radio broadcasting crew at home. So basically what's happening here is, um, the, the Canadian press, the whoever, whether it's Sportsnet or the Blue Jays themselves, um, somebody made the decision to keep the broadcasting crew um, basically at home for all the away games. So basically for the 81 home games, they will be at, at the park. And for the other games that they will be, you know, when they're away, they will not be present. They're going to have to use a monitor the actual, you know, I'm totally against this. And quite frankly, you could have used that as an excuse um, with COVID. But of course, as the article pointed out, most, um, you know, just play, most teams are pretty much 
<clears throat> back to normal. The concern is that from a broadcasting perspective, um, they that they are saying, the broadcasters are saying that you will not get a, a, um, a true perspective of what's happening on the field if you're not there. And I sort of get that. Um, you're relying on the whim of a monitor who can, which can go wrong, which can of course crash. But the, there's an interesting question I have for you guys um, is that does it matter if the radio broadcasters, and now I'm not talking about the TV broadcasters because they're going to be at all the games. Yeah. <clears throat> does it matter if the radio broadcasters aren't there I don't know, does it? Um, like, uh, uh, Kelly, come to you, because does it make a difference in their commentary or in the feel of the show or any of that stuff? Well, I, I say, oh, absolutely. Now, during the pandemic, you didn't have crowds. So in a lot of cases, when they had games, you weren't missing some of the sideline stuff that these guys telling a radio broadcast that you need. Uh, the Blue Jay broadcasters will be at the stadium for the home games. They will not travel with the team. No, so you're they won't talking travel. about... And, and I think where you have the biggest problem, Billy, that I see is, yes, what's going on. Um, you won't see certain things. You'll have to, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, you know, when you think the ball may have gone out of the stadium when it looks close, certain things that having that full spectrum of sight allow you to have. Now, there's some great monitors and stuff that they're able to do. And some would argue, wouldn't you see it even better? And, and I'm sure certain things, yes. One of the areas I see as the biggest problem is TV is a lot of show and tell and things like that. So you can point things at you. Camera can find things to talk about. But when you're doing a radio broadcast, you need to rely on being able to say earlier today, I talked to Bill Shackleton before right. you know, the game, you know, player X or whatever. And we were discussing, if you're not able to be there and those Zoom calls that used to happen, and even they were tragic for, for the broadcasters, <laughs> how are you filling airtime? How are you, there's yeah. not a chance to say, hey, on our screens, we're seeing it. A radio audience will eventually stop that. Now, I know before um, the uh, late John Ray passed away, John went on that campaign when they started talking about, you know, one person doing the games and letting them do it from doing from home, taking it off radio or simulcasting the TV on radio, the multiple things Roger spoke about and the importance of being able to not have people basically putting a feed through of TV or having these broadcasters have nothing to say, going quiet, and us just hearing the crowd. Even how many times, Bill, have you watched a game and you hear the crowd react to something and you're sitting there, what's happened? What's mm -hmm. happened? Somebody say something. And you, you just don't have that. And in radio, in this aspect, you're going to find a lot of that. It's one thing to say, oh, I think that ball went over. Yes, it's a home run right? because of the delay. That's one thing. But to, to sell them short on what they're able to do, what background they're able to bring to me, uh, I just think is is absolutely ridiculous. Well, and and, and again, you know, if you if you're if you're if they're using it to save money, I, I and I totally agree. It is ridiculous that to think. I mean, I'm sure they have the money to do this, and the the and reason it's hurt that them. they and yeah, once you well, hurt it, people aren't coming back to it. They're just not. Well, it, it's already as, struggling. As one expert said, um, they may they may lose fans over this. Um, be interesting to see if they actually do. I don't know. I think they already have, and I think that's what Rogers would say why they're doing it because people are very engaged with the TV. They're engaged in other ways, but you still have a service. It is still unique, just as much as television's unique. Why would you then keep 
pushing the nails further in. It, it's just right. bad no matter how you face it. It is tragic, I think, to to say, oh, it it kind of sucks. We were going downhill anyway, so let's just not bring let's it back up. Let's keep going downhill. Yeah, 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 that is, that's pretty sad. And the other teams are sending people away. Yeah, they are. They're, they're back to doing what they used to do. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah. Uh, it feels very disconnected, though. Like, Kelly, you described it so well, this kind of, uh, you know, what am I missing? What am I missing? I'm missing so much. And sometimes you can't even really put your finger on it. But you know that there's this huge disconnect when you're either, A, watching it on TV as a low-vision blind person um, or hearing the radio broadcasters, but there's so much that isn't being described or, you know, the chemistry is not there because they're not live. I think you can mm -hmm. feel the energy difference. Yeah, that you can, and it's the flavor of what radio has always been, the stories. And you'll get stories from the TV sure. guys, too, don't get me wrong, but radio has that stage to tell you the stories while you're sitting at home, maybe working in, in, in your wood shop, maybe knitting, whatever you might be doing as a fan, enjoying the game over dinner or, or something, mm -hmm. in the car for those who can, on transit. I, it's the greatest thing to sit back on transit and listen to. Well, it's supposed so to I, transport you. And if the person is. isn't there in person to transport you to that location, it feels like neither of you are there. Yep. And there's a uniqueness to the play-by-play -play announcers, the com commentators for of radio, course. because they have to paint a picture different than show and tell with television. Thanks, Billy. That's nice. Good, mm -hmm. good one. Um, this next article may sound creepy, but it's it's a very serious subject. This unconnected phone helps people reach out to love, lost loved ones. Very interesting concept from CBC News. Ten years ago, a landscaper from Japan who lost a loved one um, was having difficulty dealing with grief. And, of course, we all know how difficult that is. Yeah. How do you talk with people? So what he did was he took a rotary phone and they he named it the wind phone so instead of dialing a number you talk into the phone and hopefully your words go to heaven or god forbid they down the other way but it's a concept that is growing and there's actually a website where you can track there are phones in Canada where people are just it's an old-fashioned phone, and you pick up and you say, mm -hmm. "Hi, Grandma, how are you doing?" It's a way of dealing with grief. It's a de it's a way of foreclosure. So, what's and the difference between this and like a séance or a medium, or even talking to a picture, or like yeah. and why an old phone? Is it just the experience of, like, the physical experience of feeling like you're getting in touch? I guess so. I guess that's what I it think, is. I would think so, right? To pick up the phone and call someone. Yeah, yeah, um, that's right. I a find very it real, visceral experience. Yeah, and I think when we say old phone, it's just the bottom line, the landline, which so many people don't relate to now in any capacity. Yeah. They've given them up. Um, and I guess a lot of people struggling with that. We're talking older people maybe who have right. lost that that partner, their life partner. And, and I could see that they just need somebody, somebody to talk to, even if they're not there. That's kind of deep, actually. In the actually. same way. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting concept, Bill. It is, and the article they actually referred to is um, when tsunami hit Japan, and all, and and the earthquake and that sort of thing. It was mm. like there was a huge lineup for people, especially children, going into this phone booth and just talking to their loved ones. That makes a lot of um, sense. 
It was yeah, such a sudden is. for most, for everybody, uh, the losses were so sudden, right? Absolutely yeah. unexpected. Right. Such so a piece want... of nostalgia. It, 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 there's really a lot to dissect in this one because it's so nostalgic to go back to using a landline or to even get in a phone booth, I guess. Um, I guess. And I think the symbolization, right? Mm -hmm. it, it's really what do we connect with, especially, and I don't want to say, oh, the phone is dying out, the landline phone. I don't think it's that. I oh, think no. it's picking up the receiver if you want to dial their number and hi. Hey, yeah. my day was like this. My day was terrible. That's it was right. great. It was whatever. <laughs> it's that leveling it off as you accept yep. and process and get through. Yeah. And you I know. mean, people go to visit graves and visit uh, memorials and all kinds of things. But it, let's say you lost someone that, that is missing, you know, their, mm -hmm. their body's missing or anything like that. Then th there's so many reasons for you to want to connect with them again. Yeah, mm. I, I I think it's that way of getting it out there. Bill, do we want to try to squeeze your last one in? Yeah, well, actually, we're talking about the father of the cell phone. He sees dark side, but also hope in new tech. So basically, um, the man credited with inventing the cell phone 50 years ago had only one thing in mind. Would it work? Um, he's looking back at... The way the tech, uh, the way the cell phone has revolutionized the internet, and he's saying that he sees the harmfulness in the internet. He also hopes and sees the health benefits that, and all the apps that you can download now, um, that that's going to help people. He never could force, have foreseen. I mean, he mm. started a revolution, and yeah. the first cell phone actually um, was was. Um, what weighed 1.8 pounds in the size of a brick and it had a big antenna and yeah. it just goes to show. Um, and the one that I saw back in 1991, the battery pack, you couldn't, you couldn't, it was on your back. You couldn't, it wasn't attached to the unit. All right. Um, it's just amazing was, how. Yeah, know. they were, they were throwbacks. Well, that was back in the days of the mobile phones, right? Bill, that yeah. people had in their cars and then oh, yeah. the bag the phone in the bag so wow 50 years <laughs> yeah 50 years that's a long um, time ago and it was 50 cents a minute you're going back in, into the 80s oh, into yeah. the 90s. That, i mean nobody could afford or very few people could afford a cell phone back in those days i actually yeah. do remember when my uh service providers started to offer like unlimited calling after 5 p.m remember like at that time yep. You know, For or sure. unlimited texting <laughs> or whatever. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. What a journey. Weekends. Weekends free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Billy, we got to let you go. Nope. Thank you so much, man. All right. Thanks a lot. Buzz with Bill. I lost track of time. Nostalgia with a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> Bill Shackleton will be back tomorrow for the Friday Buzz. And in the upcoming hour two of Kelly and Ramia, we're flipping through quirky stories from around the world. We call it What in the World with Grant Hardy. We also have our roundtable conversation, so lots more things to chat about there with Margaret Weldon, our guest that Kelly will facilitate. But after the break, check out our cooking conversation with Mary Mamaliti of Kitchen Confession. We'll be right back. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv.
Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.